Hey, this is Jake from the Infinite Rabbit Hole, leaving a voicemail while listening to the Beast of Bray Road Part 2, and you're listening to the Infinite Rabbit Hole. Spectres have played in our peripherals since at least the beginning of our written history. Apparitions that come in all shapes and sizes continue to this day to terrorize those that least expect it. Most are simple, and retell of time and history that is long forgotten. Trapped in a never-ending loop of torment and oblivion that simply may never end. And yet some of them stand out among the rest. The ones that seem to exist to terrorize the living in a never-ending dreadful battle over turf or belonging. Among these ghostly beings, there are those that play by what seems to be no rules at all. One, not reminiscent of a human, but of his best friend. Dogs have been by our side for as long as we could imagine. Their presence has given us the boost to surpass the times of caves and the cold. They have given us the tool that we need to become the being that we are today. As protectors of man, the canines have always been there for us. And with that, I ask, is there a chance that this partnership between man and beast goes beyond the realm of the living and into waters completely uncharted? Do the love for each other span into the afterlife? And who and what are these shadows that are mentioned throughout history. Today, we dive into the legend and lore behind the phenomenon known as the Black Dogs. Welcome back to Infinite Rabbit Hole. back to the infinite rabbit hole i am your host jeremy nice to meet you everybody i'm at a loss for words we have been given this amazing opportunity to present ourselves and a topic of our choosing to you tonight and i want to say thank you for that opportunity here on the paranormal network i hope to find our new home but before we get into all the soppiness of how excited we are and and oh my gosh, we got a, a new opportunity, which I am very thankful for. We got to introduce ourselves. Like I said, I'm Jeremy, and I am one half of the original co-hosts of the Infinite Rabbit Hole podcast. And first, I'm going to bring in my other half, the guy who helped me get the Infinite Rabbit Hole to where it is today, Jacob. What's up, man? And welcome. I already have another half but I'll be your second other half. I think My you already have half. another half, too. Anyways, it doesn't matter. Let I'll me be finish. your quarter. Jake, Jake let me finish. <laughs> <laughs> I'm 
I had such nice things written about you and you just wanted to jump in and, you know, be Jake, but that's fine. Anyways, that's how we do it here in Infinite Rabbit Hole. We don't let people speak, Jake. Ever. Ever. But we like that. Anyways, not only welcome back to the Infinite Rabbit Hole, Jake, but uh, welcome to the Paranormal Network, dude. Dude, I'm super stoked. It's, uh, it's pretty exciting. It's, I never thought we'd get here. This is, this is surreal. It's, it's completely uncharted waters for the infinite rabbit hole, but I'm beyond stoked to be where we're at. Yeah, man. I remember first, uh, excitement over our first hundred listens. It's pretty crazy. <laughs> no. <laughs> first 10 episodes. Yeah. It's nuts. It's nuts, but we're here. And, uh, I don't even know what to do. I mean, I guess we introduce ourselves, right? Is that what we do? Probably. Probably. Probably be good. Well, I've kind of given them a, a little bit of who I am. Uh, go ahead and then introduce Jacob. Okay. I'm Jake. I'm, Hi, Jake. I guess, Jeremy's better half. Yeah. <laughs> don't tell his wife. And uh, I don't know. I'm a Christian guy. I have my own select views about how all this paranormal ghost cryptozoological stuff works. Um, I started this podcast with Jeremy because he always wanted to start a podcast, and I really had nothing better to do. And uh, (laughs) he lured me in with his fantastical stories, and I was like, all right, cool, let's do it. And it it took a while, and I'm glad that we're, we're here where we're at now, you know? I don't want to sound like I, I, I had nothing better to do. It, I was excited to. It was a fun project to get started on, but it was just like, like yeah, I got the time. Let's go. Let's do something. And he was used to rejection and people saying that all the time and then bailing on him. And he said before that he had zero hope and faith in me actually pulling through, but we got this thing started up and running. We've gone through a couple different hosts, you know, whether they weren't the best fitment for this uh project or they let was it expanded off into other things and now we have uh kenzar and jeff the other part of the co-hosts and uh can't wait to bring them in yeah and you know one thing about the infinite rabbit hole as a show is that the cast members all bring different points of view to one of these amazing subjects one of these unknown special subjects that we'll be covering throughout the continuation of our story because obviously we've we've come from a voice only podcast and we've done almost 90 episodes already so we have quite a, a bit of story already told but we're ready to dive into it and like Jay said he brings the Christian point of view you know and and obviously his unique Christian point of view um, and I am somebody who, when I was younger, I witnessed a Bigfoot. Uh, I was about nine years old and didn't know anything about creatures that shouldn't exist. <laughs> um, so I didn't know what I, I was looking at. And I was about 12 or 13 years old when I finally found out what that thing was. And it just threw me into this infinite rabbit hole of the strange and unknown looking into all these things that are supposed to not exist. So am I a believer in a lot of it? I can't say that I believe everything, but I at least look at it because I saw something that is not supposed to exist. That's enough about me. Enough about Jake. Let's go ahead and bring in 
the next tier of the infinite rabbit hole host. And that is our resident tinfoil hat specialist, Jeffrey. Jeffrey, welcome to the Paranormal Network. Tis I. And thank you. Thank you, everybody. Yes, I am the crazy one of the group. I am the <laughs> conspiracy theorist, as we're called. I'm pretty much the one that's always got the, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Everything is fake, in my opinion, right? I'm always the guy with the contrary beliefs, the one that's going to bring some different arguments, hopefully, to the table. But uh, you'll hear me say a lot of crazy stuff, like space is fake, dinosaurs are fake. You name it, I'm there. And unlike Jeremy, I actually believe most of that stuff. So <laughs> <laughs> It's there true, it's true. Me and, me and Jeff have sparred a couple times, and uh, you never know when one's going to break out. And when it does, be ready. Because one of us, probably me, is going to look stupid afterwards. <laughs> I wouldn't say that, bro. I mean, you know, <laughs> arguing for your life, just like, no, you're dumb. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, yeah, that's that's Jeff. Jeff is also the uh, the host of another podcast, which is all about conspiracies. So why don't you take a second to plug that, Jeff? It is true. Thanks, Jeremy. I will plug my other show. <laughs> it's called Shadow Band Podcast, and we go deep in really deep conspiracies and also political shenanigans. So if you're into that, check it out. If not, stay here. Because <laughs> we do not dive into politics. That's it. No, we don't. I, mean, I, I don't know how else to say it. I think... Out of the 90-some-odd episodes that we've done so far, we maybe said the the COVID word, like, four times. You know, and it's just, but not in a political point of view at all. We just don't mess with it. You know, you have your own separate lives. We have our own separate lives where politics could play a part, but we're here to get away from that. We're here to get into the really fun stuff, and politics just don't have a spot here on the infinite rabbit hole. That's right. But they do over at Shadow Band. Yeah. <laughs> at, in, oh. at shadow band everyone's wrong and everyone's out to get you <laughs> yes everyone They're all lizard people over there <laughs> well we're uh we're an incomplete team without the fourth member of the infant rabbit hole podcast cast that is our good friend our neighbor from the north and you'll see that she she is quite different than us because she is not a dude. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> and she was actually uh, brought on as a cast member because she was our original diehard fan. Let me introduce Kenzar and say welcome to the Paranormal Network. Hi. Hello. <laughs> Hello. Hello. <laughs> so how are you doing today? Pretty good. Chilling. Yeah. You know, excited to be a part of all of this and get to be a part of the grand scheme of it all. It's exciting stuff, isn't it? Oh yeah. So tell us a little bit about you, Kedzar. Kid, that's her nickname by the way. Anybody listening to this? That is yep. Kid. Yep. Um, well, I like a little bit of everything. Kinda kinda lean more towards Jeff's sides of side of things sometimes, but I don't think everything is fake. You're dead to me. Oh, oh, that, that escalated very quickly. Just wow. Okay. <laughs> well, according to him, we're all dead and we're all just ghosts and we don't know it. So, I mean. yeah. we're Fair. we're just a simulation. Yeah, all of us. Yeah, we don't even exist. 
We're all NPCs. <laughs> anyway, as you guys can see, we have fun here, right? But we also get down to business. And today, our business is the Phantom Black Dogs. So you guys ready to jump in? I don't know what Bring you're going to impress me with. I've seen Black Dogs before. Like, I saw one this weekend. So, I mean, <laughs> we used to have one. Oh, yeah, man. It was, a, it was All right. a lab. Well, you guys shut up and let me let me talk, okay? All right. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> oh, boy. <clears throat> Got to put my serious face on. Most popular in folklore and mythology of the mid-1900s, England, black dogs, also known as phantom dogs or phantom black dogs, devil dogs, and in recent times, hellhounds, are ghostly canine apparitions that appear as signs of many different meanings throughout the world. The term black dog is a blanket name that covers many, and I mean many, different local urban legends that revolve around a black dog specter. The black dog lore tells mostly of a benevolent, canine spirit that guards or is tied to a specific location and is most commonly found at pathways of different kinds such as roads or trails. In our Snallygaster episode, we made reference to the American black dog legend known as the Snarly Yow, in which we do plan to do an episode on one day pairing the Snarly Yow with another local Maryland legend known as the Dueo. Black dogs are a very uncharacteristic mystery as it does not easily fall into any categories such as being a cryptid or a ghost. The dogs have the characteristics of a physical being, such as rustling leaves and moving dirt with every step that they take, and shaking bushes that they walk past. But then they also have ghostly characteristics, like disappearing at will, being only observable by a specific person or people in a party, or appearing as if they are materializing into existence, as they form their bodies in front of our eyes out of nothing. So does that change your point of view there, Jake, on the kind of black dog that we're talking about tonight? So very skittish black labs. Gotcha. <laughs> um, Sure, yeah. I, I mean, I guess. I mean, unless, you know, I don't know any black labs that just materialize out of nothing. Well, I'm I'm just, as you go through, like always, I'm just going to be writing my notes and stuff. So far, the description seems very interesting. Um, the only thing that I would have to question so far, I weren't, like, what, it was a 45-second description, is um, the part about showing themselves to specific people. Yes. Like, I'm sure you'll get into it as to what would constitute a, a maybe that's the wrong word but um what would cause an appearance like that to happen right mm -hmm. um so yeah i'm just going to be putting my notes down I, i've heard about the black dogs before um of various different cultures and stuff i've also heard of <clears throat> excuse me i've also heard of not black dogs but other creatures that kind of do the same role um mm -hmm. So, yeah, I, I'm probably here as you continue. I'll start drawing parallels and stuff. And I think that this is going to be a cool episode. I mean, I'm, I've been excited to talk about this since it was mentioned months ago. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> quite, a, quite a while ago. <laughs> yeah. Jeff, Kenzar, you guys got anything before I jump in the next part? No, I'm ready for you to blow my mind. I'm interested. Right on. So far, so good. Bring it. Cool. And before we keep going, I just want to mention that this is as of right now, at least a four-part series that we're only doing the introduction of right now. What's wrong, Jeff? 
Of course it is. Of course it is. <laughs> that is true. And if anybody knows me, they know that I like to do my research and I like to do a lot of work. So we are doing the introduction to the black dog phenomenon today. Let me just, how many pages you got? Today? Seven. Uh, total, total, total. Don't worry about that. Oh, man. No, 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 no. Whoa, whoa, whoa. 600 pages. <laughs> Don't worry about you know, that, man. You know that this man spent no time with his family this this uh, weekend and spent all of it on the podcast? He's been sleeping in that garage since Friday. Listen. <laughs> okay, this is important. My, my the family is important, too. And I did spend some time. I watched them open, you know, watch my kids do the Easter thing. They had a ball, you know. And everything, but I also had to make sure that we were taken care of, and we really come out with a, with a bang when it comes to this paranormal network because it is very important to us. It'd be like paranormal network, get us. We're workaholics. <laughs> <laughs> we'll never stop. <laughs> we won't stop. <laughs> All right. So, in the, the the next couple weeks to come, we'll get even deeper as I break down the black dog phenomenon into regional sections of the world. I've broken up at least three more sections and depending on how well it does, if people like the black dog phenomenon, I could dive into other areas of the world as well. But now that I put that all out, let's jump right back into what's going on with these black dogs. In all, <laughs> in let's do it. The... Just shut up, Jake. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> an author by the name of Theo Brown wrote an 18-page segment for a journal simply titled Folklore from 1958, in which she categorized three different types of black dogs found throughout certain districts in England. These types she simply categorized as A, B, and C. The A-type black dog, or the Bergwest type, is a monstrous kind of creature, and it wants you to know that. It's malevolent. This malevolent type of black dog can appear in many forms, according to Miss Brown, but commonly chooses the black canine form. The second type, or the B type, not only comes in a black dog form, but is considered much larger than the average dog. The type is also known to be secluded to a particular plot of earth and wasn't and doesn't, excuse me, wander outside of its territory. Some examples of territories it may haunt are a house, church, or other building, a street, bridges, crossroads, a cemetery, or a patch of woods. On occasion, this version of the black dog can be seen with a ghostly person as well, but more commonly than not, it is seen alone. And the last version of black dogs, known as the C-type, according to Brown, is the rarest and hardest to investigate and study. Although this type shares common ground with the B-type, when it comes to looks and size, it is not necessarily only tied to a specific area, but is tied to a specific time of year instead. A fairly common description that is told by witnesses of these black dogs is that they seem to grow or shrink in size at random throughout the encounter. Very rarely has a phantom black dog been described as anything smaller than a mastiff, but they are said to slowly grow to the size of a minivan and shrink back to its original size completely randomly. The eye color is most commonly described as self-illuminating red, but has also been reported as yellow and on occasion white. One of the most bizarre and common descriptions of this ghostly Fido 
is that it seems to be able to interact with the environment around it. But to those that have physical contact with it, it is easily understood that the dog is clearly not a physical being. Attempts by many people trying to pet it, hit it with an umbrella, or shoot it have been for naught, as the creature seems to be able to control when and by what it allows to make contact with. These black dogs have been seen traveling through solid walls and even the ground. The speed of these apparitions are incredible, as there has never been a story where the witness has outpaced a black dog. No matter if they were running or driving some sort of vehicle, the phantoms seem to also like water, as many of the places that are haunted by the B-class black dogs are also homes to bodies of water, such as lakes, ponds, rivers, creeks, pools, and even the shoreline of the ocean. The last strange thing that many have described is the ability of the creature to just simply disappear right before their eyes, oftentimes reappearing great distances away almost simultaneously, and other times just never coming back. So what do you guys think so far? Thoughts, feelings, concerns, gripes? Um, so... I'm actually doing a little bit of a deep dive as you're talking about this um, mm-hmm. because, you know, of course, I'm going to try to find the ancient cult symbolism behind the black dogs. Um, but it's interesting, you know, it's inter- I'm interested in this. This is, this has a little, I don't normally like the cryptids. We all know that, right? I'm not mm-hmm. necessarily the cryptid guy, but for whatever reason, I'm in on this one. Weird. Yeah, Jeff usually doesn't talk during these kind of episodes. Shut it down. Hmm. <laughs> well, Shut that's it, it everybody. Yeah. <laughs> Can't do this one. Jeff's broken. Shut it down. <laughs> what do you think, Kenzar? You got anything? Not yet. I'm just okay. taking it all in as you go. I'm trying to... Add, I'm, I'm just absorbing the story right now and trying to create questions and look things up as you're talking. Right on. Jacob. I bailed on writing notes because it was way too much information. No uh, <laughs> I was trying I'll to find it. a parallel between the black dog and foo dogs. Do you know what a foo dog is? I do not. Foo dog is a uh, Chinese mythical lion-like protector. If you ever, if you look up fu dogs, foo dogs. Um, they're often at the they're like these big statues of these like lion dog things that guard temples and homes and tombs and various things from evil spirits. So I was trying to because what you're saying sounded like that to me, but it's so far the description of the black dogs has gone way further than foo dogs right now. They have like everything possible. Like if you're creating a superhero. You'd be like, well, he's going to have fire powers and telekinesis, and he's going to be able to control metal. And this is <laughs> the building up of the of this black dog thing. So I'm just like, I'm like, okay, so these are seems to be in its own category of stuff. Yes, you know, you it's not it's not really mixing into anything that I know about as far as other cultures and their representations that or their things that could have similar attributes is basically what i'm trying to say right so for those listening to the infinite rabbit hole for the first time 
I hope that you're seeing a, a sort of a pattern here. This is how, how we kind of do what we call our, our documentary type episodes, which somebody does a deep dive into research. Every one of us at right now, we are currently investigating and researching our own given topics that we chose ourselves. When somebody's done, they will present. The other three will not have any real knowledge other than whatever they already have or quick kind of Google search beforehand, just kind of get on board with what it is. And the presenter will present and we'll take breaks in the middle of the presentation to talk it out a little bit. This is the infinite rabbit hole. This is what we do. And at the end, we'll get everybody's opinion and we'll talk shit. That's what we do. <laughs> All right. You guys ready to move on? Ready to go. Right on. Yes, ready sir. In our series dedicated to the Beast of Bray Road, we described the Wisconsin man-wolf that was described by author and investigator Linda Godfrey as a creature that oftentimes showed up throughout the eastern, throughout the southeastern portion of the state. My apologies. In one particular case, we discussed the creature was seen digging into a burial mound two nights in a row by a security man. We also discussed the fact that there are many parks and preserves dedicated to the rich history of the Native Americans in the area and the state's incredible amount of burial mounds. This trends commonly with other upright walking canine creatures of many areas of the world. It leaves the question, is there a tie between the canine creatures and death? Well, in Greek mythology, in un the underworld of Hades is guarded by Cerberus, a multi-headed dog that is often depicted as pure black on ancient Greek bases and was said to have up to 50 different heads at any given time. Although most commonly described as only having three, Cerberus's job was to stand guard to the underworld, but not to stop someone from entering, or rather, from anyone leaving. The ancient Egyptian god, known as Anubis, stood guard at the entrance to Dua, the ancient Egyptian underworld, and acted as the guard for newly departed souls from Earth to Dua. Anubis was depicted as a solid black jackal's head, with the body of a man. In Norse mythology, the four-eyed canine creature known as Garm is the guardian of Hill, the Norse land of the dead. Gar Garm stands guard at the... <laughs> that's a tongue twister. Garm stands guard. Garm stands guard at the entrance to Hill, similar to Cerberus and Anubis. The pattern is clear. Mythologies point to black dogs as the guardians of their own flavor of Hell and werewolf-like creatures are often spotted in places of death and remembrance of death. Coincidence? What do you guys think? I don't think it's a coincidence. <clears throat> the reason is because uh, I came across this um, Chinese uh, tia Tiangu. Tiangu? Did you come across the Tiangu in your research? So I did. Um one of the regions I did not do specific research into yet. It's one of the regions that if somebody, if you know, we get a lot of people that like this topic, um, I do have a lot of Asian culture sources that I can jump into that I have not yet. Okay. Well, I'll just read this little summary of the Tiangu. Cause I think that this is a reason why this black dog figure might be like 
the guardian of the underworld in a lot of these cultures and mythologies. But it says, it. according to the Chinese mythology, a black flying dog, Tiangu, is responsible for eating the sun during a solar eclipse, as some dogs will eat anything they like. The myth further states that Zhang Jian, god of birth, fires many arrows at the dog to repulse him off, of, off from the star. As a result, Tiangu gets scared and throws up the sun that he swallowed. Hence, our sun is safe in a little salamander. This is from some website dog line. But, uh, yeah, a lot of these cultures, right? We've talked about this before. A lot of these ancient cultures and these myths and things like that, they usually derive from something that goes on in what I call the sky clock, right? The stars and all the alignments and the celestial activities and all these stories get brought down into, you know, like real world examples, like a black dog eating the sun during a solar eclipse. So kind of makes sense to me that there's these black dog figures that uh, guard the underworld. I don't know. I agree with, uh, I agree with Jeff. It's, it's, it's like they're all passed down because it's a way to describe something happening. Mm-hmm. Right. There's a little bit of mythology in there. There's a little bit of realism because we all have seen a black dog before. My curiosity would be at what point at what point did black anything start representing evil? You know, um black cats, black dogs, um black birds, so crows and ravens. I mean, in Norse mythology, it was Odin. You know, that was a representation of Odin. But in other cultures, it was evil. You know, the presence of evil, the presence of the devil, you know, all sorts of stuff. Um, That's something that I'm going to write down as a note because that's interesting to me. At what point did those sort of mythologies and those beliefs start coming around? And then at what point did it also end? Because, Mm -hmm. I mean... I'm certain that there are people that still believe that sort of stuff, but there's an awful lot of people that are just like, ah, those are old stories, old, uh, you know, kind of like the whole don't walk under a ladder or else you'll get bad luck sort of a thing. You know, if you spill salt, throw it over your shoulder, you know, all the superstitions type stuff. Right on. I might be able to answer that. I think that it's the day and night, right? Ancient peoples back in the caveman days, right? They, when it got dark, like it was terrifying. Mm-hmm. There was there was no way to see anything. So I think that the, you know, they would just equate darkness with fear, and with that comes all of the other things like evil, right? And then the sun sure. would come up, and everything would get better. So maybe that's why. Hmm. I like that question, though. I think that's a great question. Why? Well, thank you. You guys ready to move on? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. All right. The term hellhound is a curious one for a few reasons and makes sense in a few others. The actual term is not a historical term in reference to the phantom black dog phenomenon, but instead is much more recent, is a much more recent invention. But one cannot deter the fact that the name does match certain traits of this mysterious mutt. A few things are consistently reported in the experiences of many, such as the act of materializing out of the ground, bright red eyes as if they were made of fire, and the strong smell of sulfur accompanying our phantom canine. Watson and Norman 
both touch on the topic of hellhounds and how they believe that the moniker is not suitable for being tied to the black dog phenomenon. First of all, the term hellhound is one that was created and used mostly for entertainment purposes. When a book, TV show, or movie wants to catch the interest of their targets using a dangerous and sexy title like Hellhound, well, does the trick. Yes, the Type A black dog is known as a malevolent version of the ghostly creature, but what if we are reading it wrong? Put it this way, if you or someone you know were traveling by foot along a dark long dark road in the middle of the night, and a large black dog were to appear in front of you, growling and are barking at you. Would you be scared? I would, shit. I'd probably need new pants. Let's be honest. But as we dive deeper into the lore of the black dog, we will see that these canines often try very hard to prevent us from going somewhere or seeing something. So, what if that dog that you saw growling at you was attempting to stop you from walking across a bridge that was suffering from a very bad case of rusty support beams. But all you saw was a growling, huge, black dog ghost. Is it safe to say that you might misinterpret its intentions? Maybe, right? Well, what if both Norman and Watson both have this wrong? And the sexy name Hellhound, that swarms of modern writers, podcasters, and folklorists use as clickbait for their work, more accurate. Well, I guess we'll just have to dive a little deeper then, huh? So what do you guys think about the term hellhound? So sexy. <laughs> so sexy. <laughs> Sounds brutal. Sounds like a cool band name. I'm sure there is a band named Hellhound. Oh, I know oh, there's gotta be. Probably. If there isn't, we're trademarking this shit right now. Nothing sexier than the idea of eternal torment. <laughs> the sexy name of Hellhounds. Jeez. Um I like that, that kind of flip that, I mean, yeah, absolutely. If I'm alone or with a friend or whatever, and like, it could be middle of the day and some big giant black snarling dog, you know, is all, you know, glaring at me and stuff. And yeah, of course I'd be scared, you know, but that was a good example right there. Like, would it be? so much of a deterrent that I would go back the other way and maybe not walk across the next street and get creamed by a truck with, you know, it's brakes that are, you know, faulty, you know, what's the, uh, I don't know. It was a, it was interesting to think about. It's a different play on the idea of them being evil. Instead, maybe they just appear to be evil in order to get the reaction that they want, which is more in the savior type role. Anything from you other two? You other two? No, I'm with Jake. I I liked how it flip-flopped the story there. Instead of it being a a bad thing, it's it's almost like it became a blessing in disguise. Yeah. Mm. It is a it is a big question when it comes to these black dogs, and we we do get deeper into it. I want to get into that because I, I came across a few things interested to see where you take this uh, okay with the other side of this but yeah so i guess thumbs up to the next part then huh yeah (laughs) yeah (laughs) all right cool the church grim is a legend that tells of a guardian spirit in english and nordic folklore often appearing as a black dog the church grim's duty is to protect the churchyard from anyone 
considering committing sacrilege against the church, such as thievery, vandalism, and even the devil and witches. It is common belief by many folklorists that it was customary to bury a live dog under the cornerstone of the church as a sort of sacrifice so that its ghost could serve as the guardian grim of the church's property. In English folklore, this practice was put into place to counter another belief that told of the first person being buried on the church's property having to serve in eternity as the protector of the church as a spirit. In order to relieve the idea of a human soul never being able to move on, a dog was used as a replacement. There are many other smaller traditions that involve the sacrifice of dogs as a way of creating a spirit canine guardian. Many investigators and folklorists interested in the black dog phenomenon believe that there is a heavy tie between these dog-like spirits and the places they are tied to. Churches and on occasion, their adjoining graveyards are a common place for black dogs to be spotted. With this, the ties between the spirit and the afterlife become stronger, and the mystery of the phantom black dogs grows deeper. What do you guys think about that? I I like this. See, the idea that it's a guardian of some sort, right? And it makes sense on one hand to me that because dogs have essentially evolved, if you if you believe in evolution, right? Uh, have evolved with humans, alongside humans, to be like man's best friend, right? They've always been a form of protector or guardian for humans in the living world. So it's almost like there's a part of our psyche, right? Our DNA memory that just wants to think that the, even in the afterlife, these dogs are protecting. And that could go back 10,000 years to the start of civilization. So I like that idea that even churches would, would bury a dog first and try to create a dog guardian. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's a cool idea. I like this. I actually grabbed onto that tidbit of information as well, because in my head... The idea of a human spirit or ghost or whatever protecting grounds, that doesn't exactly seem protecting to me. That can seem a lot more scary and not okay than protecting, but animals, they're a lot more welcoming, especially dogs. Like you said, they were supposed to, they, they've come up alongside of us this entire time. They're man's best friend, right? So animals are a lot more welcoming and and the idea of an animal protecting is a lot more welcoming than having a human protecting. I agree with Jeff though. I don't um, particularly agree with the idea of evolution. There has to be some reason why the dog specifically was domesticated by humans for a role of protection. We used horses for moving objects and things and people. We used uh, birds for sending messages and whatever. And we used, sorry about that, we used dogs for protection and everything. And they have been in that role for who knows how long, you know, people have been as we know them or as I believe they have always been. You know, whether that is 
6,000 years, 8,000 years, 10,000 years, 20,000 years. I don't know. But I like that it would be more on the – and I agree with what Kenzar is saying that a dog would continue to be a protector and a care of you know a family or a community even after death. Although I would say that it was probably incredibly ineffective considering that the UK had a crazy huge issue with grave robbing in the 1800s. So, (laughs) you know, maybe they're tricking it with some ghost bones, but (laughs) (laughs) but yeah, I'm digging it. I'm digging the story. Right on, right on. All right, we ready to move on? Well, let me just say for the record, I also don't believe in evolution. So I'm with you on that, Jake. Maybe I should have used the adaptation. Uh, idea instead of evolution i meant more of like the i mean i get what you're saying the evolutionary like the, memory it's just like dogs, it's, it's right. built into our dna because we have this bond that can't be broken because of right. this training of them and utilizing them as a helper a worker a protector for you know thousands and thousands and thousands of years i understand what you're saying and i think i maybe maybe i misspoke Tighten up, Jake. Yeah, yeah I need to again. fix my my words coming out of my face. Why are Check we... yourself before you wreck yourself. I'm already Why? wrecked. <laughs> Why are we being so nice to each other right now? This is weird. We're apologizing. Yeah. We don't apologize on this show. Stop it. I'm sorry. My Canadianness has rubbed off. Sorry, guys. I'll, I'll, yeah, sorry. I'll chill out over here. I was in the wrong, Jeff. Sorry. I'm in a good mood, so I'm going <laughs> to let it slide. Sorry. sorry. <laughs> <laughs> oh, what are you sorry about? Boot. What are you about sorry about? I'm sorry about being sorry. Welcome to my life, Jake. <laughs> <laughs> Someone rear ends you. Oh, sorry. Sorry, I was in your way. Sorry. <laughs> sorry. Yep. All right. You guys ready to move on? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone has heard of a piece of lore or mythology that refers to some being or creature that is responsible for the safe travel of a newly departed soul to the afterlife of its deserving, right? Well, did you know there is a term commonly used for that particular job? And that term is what's referred to as a psychopomp. In many different mythologies, the chosen psychopomp is a black dog of sorts. Cerberus, Anubis, and Garm were three that we already talked about today as examples of creatures that stood at the gates of their particular hell. Well, all three of these mythological beings stood double duty as their culture's psychopomp. In many cultures around the world, the dog was considered to be a form of psychopomp itself, and in some of those cultures, it was normal for a person's dog to be cremated with their person so that the dog may act as their personal psychopomp to ensure their souls safely made it to their decided destination. Could the beliefs of the past be what propels the lore of today when it comes to protection and guidance that we see in many black dog encounters? Hey everybody, bear with us while we take this quick break. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Speak of things. A psychopomp? A psychopomp. It's like literally spelled... P-S-Y-C-H-O-P-O-M-P? That's it. Okay. Hmm. Yep. It is an actual term used to describe the job of ensuring the safe travel of a spirit to its final destination. Now, was it for everybody or just for more well-off people good question uh i didn't really see a difference there at all uh Mm -hmm. and it wasn't necessarily that it was a truth it was a belief it was a uh in certain cultures around the world and uh one that i can tell of right off the top of my head was a particular story from guatemala Mm -hmm. um one of the one of the authors that I was reading a book from, excuse me, his wife, uh, her culture has the belief that you should be nice to your dog throughout your life because that dog could be your psychopomp. As in, you can have a dog early in your life or at some point in your life where if you had mistreated it, that one could have been chosen as your psychopomp. And when you finally pass away, it could say, no, I'm not going to be your guide. And you could be left to wander the world. That was actually some way of them uh, trying to explain the idea of ghosts or spirits. So basically, say it was my childhood childhood golden retriever who passed away when I was like 11 or whatever. He would mm-hmm. be waiting for me to die so that he could take my soul to the afterlife and protect yes. me on my travel. Yes, and in okay. this particular culture, uh, when you pass, there is a great river that you have to get, you have to swim through, and the best way to do it is by your your dog acting as your psychopomp to swim across while you're holding its tail. You know what's funny? Hmm. Um, my childhood golden retriever Zeke, when me and my we, we me and Grayson were growing up, when we were like four or five years old. We would hold his tail while he pulled us around the pool swimming. No shit. That's oh, cool. Oh, snap. <laughs> All those synchronicities. <laughs> I'm going to go off on a little bit of a rabbit hole here for a second. Uh-oh. <clears throat> so, all right. So there's this idea that I've been kind of pondering as of late, and it's, you know, like, We've all heard it, right? When you die, you see the light, right? You see the white light. You go towards the white light, and you might see whatever, your family members or your dog or whatever it is, right? And it's supposed to guide you into the afterlife, whether it's heaven or whatever your belief is. I've actually been contemplating if that is how you get recycled back into the matrix rather than actually moving on into said heaven. Okay. So are these psychopomps actually there to help you? move you on or are they there to guide you into recycling 
into the matrix or into this you know reality they're an npc not an npc <laughs> but no you're an npc okay well, so I... let's <laughs> well, let's look at it from from like your perspective for a second jake right like from the religious angle um you know hermes thoth anubis right these were psychopomps right so if if you believe in jesus then all these other deities aren't truly like good deities right these are all demonic mm -hmm. entities right so right. if that's the case and they're the ones leading you on to the afterlife are they doing so or are they recycling you into this matrix because you're not like jesus isn't listed in this list of psychopomps that i'm seeing here well that's because jesus is a is is the deity not you know a helper or a messenger or anything like that. Um, yeah, I don't know how to how to really make a comparison. Well, that's a deep rabbit hole. I'm sure yeah. at least one person listening to this is picking up where I'm putting this down at because that idea of us being recycled into the Matrix is it's a thing, right? It's not just my idea. I have been pondering it lately, but. Obviously, there's other people with this idea. So, now are you know. talking about like reincarnation, or are you talking about like on a... yeah. okay, like if you're reincarnated, it's because your soul has been recycled and you're back here, back in the soul school. You didn't, you didn't finish the job. You followed the light you weren't supposed to. Why was everyone a some sort of royalty in their past life? No one was a janitor. I don't think that's necessarily true. I'm just saying. You go to a medium right now and say, what was I in my past life? They're more likely to say you're someone that was very well off than saying that you were a, a leper <laughs> that died when you were 20 from a disease eating off your fingers and toes. <laughs> maybe, maybe. I've actually heard people, uh, I've, heard, I've actually watched videos of people going into hypnosis and then having their um, past life story, you know, through like hypnoregression or whatever the term is for that. And some of them were like scumbags. <laughs> so. i was jack the ripper <laughs> this this sounds like another infinite rabbit hole episode that we could potentially do one day yeah we could absolutely yeah, sorry cycle went off on a tangent there but that's what i thought of as soon as we were talking about the cycle prompts i was like maybe they're the ones that are helping recycle us back into the 3d world maybe i don't know hmm. i don't know i i don't i don't know anything about the spiritual side of things so i'm not the right guy to uh comment on that at all It'll and he work. always comments that. Yeah, because I, I don't know what to say. <laughs> <laughs> I don't really. Ah, man, I'm gonna here. I'm gonna butt in here and tell you that I know nothing. So we <laughs> <laughs> make this about Thanks, me, Jeremy. Right. <laughs> right. All right, y'all ready to move on? Yeah, Kenzar, do you have any comments? No, I'm good. All right, kid. We can move on. Doing good. All right, let's move on. <laughs> A very common action taken by a phantom black dog is the act of running into something such as a bush, tree, or fence and just simply disappearing. I want to take a moment to revisit an encounter in our Beast of Bray Road Part 2 episode in which I will reread the encounter exactly how it was read in that episode and I would like to rediscuss it with some of the knowledge that we have now about the phantom black dog spirit. On February, on a February night in 1996, 
A man by the name of Glenn North was driving west on the Highway 12 when a creature came out of the ditch on the side of the road. North describes the creature running in front of his truck as he was driving roughly 60 miles per hour, and he came so close to hitting the animal that it completely disappeared from his sight as it ran past the front of his truck. Lucky for him, he did not hit that creature, and it just kept running across the highway and either through or over a fence and just kept going. It all happened so fast, but North was able to get a few details. The creature had an elongated snout, long, dark, and shaggy fur, large pointy ears that laid flat back as it ran, and very long legs. The creature most resembled a wolf, but much, much larger. Now that we have some information on the black dog and how it is said to try to protect those that may be in harm within their area of protection, do you think that this encounter that we discussed prior as a possible Beast of Bray Road slash Dogman sighting could really be an example of an encounter with a phantom black dog on a rural road in southeastern Wisconsin? No. No? Really? I don't know, man. I think this 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 matches a lot of black dog stuff. But I'm interested. Go ahead. Just no. Oh. I heard <laughs> I heard Jeff take a deep breath. Ah, yes, um, this is the old Jeff deep breath thing. He's like and I said no, and I just cut him off. It's great. Um Yeah, no. <laughs> uh no, okay, so there's there's points, right? There's seemed like it disappeared in front of his truck i mean that could either be that it passed through the front of his truck sure or that he just got super close you know the front of my tundra is four and a half feet tall at the hood maybe five feet tall at the hood and yeah i mean there's been times where i when i'm driving through my neighborhood and there's a lot of kids that are out playing and stuff i'm driving at like five miles an hour because you can't see those little kids run in front of a you know, my hood, mm -hmm. I just can't see them. And so I would drive very carefully through my neighborhood. And so if the thing was close enough, it would seem like it disappeared in front of his hood. But then obviously the part of it going either over the fence or under the fence, he can't really make, make out why. And in this circumstance, if the black dog went through the fence, like a ghost going through a wall, I don't think that most people's minds would be able to perceive what they just saw. Like it would trip them out so bad that they'd be like, well, naturally it would have had to have gone over or under. It couldn't have gone through, you know, cause things can't do that. Um, but the reason why I say no is because in that story, there's nothing that they're being protected from or steered away from. It's not like they stopped in their tracks, did a U-turn and left and then, you know, or, or they stopped and then a tree fell in the road and could have crushed the car or something like that. Unless so, there's something missing from that story. That's, that's what I'm pointing to here, right? They did stop the car. Okay. okay? They did stop the car to see the, the creature. Now they said that they took the eyes off the creature. And by the time they looked back, the creature was on the other side of the fence, so they didn't right. see whether it went through, under, over, whatever. Um, but let's just say that something crossing the road, such as the real Beast of Bray Road, was a quarter of a mile down the road. And he, like, by the time that they were going to 
past that certain part of the road and the beast was coming to cross could have made a perfect timing situation. And one of these black dog phantoms ran out to save whoever it was that they were trying to protect. And that feels like it's reaching too much. I agree. I mean, I'd be like, you'd be like, well, at that second, a lightning bolt was about to strike the vehicle, but they, you know, it's just like, you never know. never know. See, I put more stock into this phantom black dog story than I would the beast of Bray road or any, any theory that could be there. But the kangaroos Ken's are. I know the kangaroos, (laughs) but (laughs) I added that in the, in like the teaser for the next episode. I'm gonna have to remove that and be like, she doesn't believe this. No, don't take up the kangaroos. <laughs> it was, away. I changed my mind. It was definitely a kangaroo. Okay, yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Jeff, you weren't on this episode, so you don't get an opinion here. Wait a minute. <laughs> I don't like I don't understand the separation between like the phantom black dogs, werewolves, dogmen, like who's to say they're not all the same creature? That is something that, that gets brought up, uh, I don't think, in this episode. Um, but there are some cases where, you know, an upright black dog is seen, and the it's acting more in characteristic of one of these phantom black dogs, but it looks more like a dog man. Now, uh, because you weren't part of the, the Beast of Bray Road episode, just to catch you up real quick, the difference between a werewolf and a dog man is a werewolf is supposedly supposed to have the ability to transform between a human form and an upright walking dog form. Whereas a dog man is just always is They're They're pretty much, uh, identical when they're both in their dog forms. And then I brought up a theory at the end of that episode that throughout history, such as Anubis, uh, being, uh, in a bunch of different hieroglyphs and a lot of different uh, ancient Egyptian scripture. Um, and then you have the theory or the stories of a can- upright canine uh, species of being actually participating in the early, early Olympic Games. Um, what if there was that there is just a race of these dogmen that are out there and, you know, you, you get a lot of primitive cultures that see a dog man and all you're seeing is something that has the body of a man with the head of a dog or, the, the, you know, the fur and the head of a dog. Mm-hmm. And their first reaction to that is to think uh, that is a man that changed into a dog. And, you know, instead of uh, actually going through the process of seeing a person change into the dog, they just assumed that because it stood like a man, that it has to be a man that changed into a dog. You know what I mean? Well, that makes sense. The only thing I would say is that nobody's ever captured and held and studied a dog man and or a werewolf. So we don't know if the dog man did morph from a human, right? So I understand the difference where the werewolf is something that can morph back and forth and the dog man just always is. But how do we know the dog man just always is? Nobody is. Has anybody had one in a cage for no. a long period of time? And like he didn't change, right? I get that. Um, I guess it just comes up to like what makes sense in your personal mind, right? For me, 
coming from like a biology standpoint, neither of them really make sense because the bone structure of a canine doesn't allow for the upright walking ability, right? But what no bone structure in the history of everything doesn't allow is for something to, to morph from a human into an upright walking dog creature. So out of the two, in my mind, in my opinion, the dog man is more believable because that is simply just, you know, structure being changed a little bit. I mean, you look at great apes, like we're supposed to be related to great apes, right? You have ones that are better mobility wise on all fours. And then you have us that are better mobility on two legs. So the, the thought of uh, a dog having the ability or being born with the ability to walk upright is less far-fetched to me than a person having the ability to literally morph and transform into a upright walking dog. Bones extending, fangs growing out. Yeah. I actually agree I would, with Jeremy. Yeah. I would argue that neither one of those is, is fits in what my idea is. I think that they're again, going back to like the mythological and ancient stories, I think that there's probably like, let's just take Anubis, for example, something probably happened in the sky, right? And they equate it with a dog. Maybe it happened with the dog star or maybe in a, a constellation that was represented by a dog, right? And then whatever being it was that they painted as Anubis, this man with a dog head, Maybe he was just important in that time, or he did something during that time. So in order to carry that idea across, they just painted a man with a dog's head, right? So it wasn't a dog man, and it wasn't a man dog. It was just a man being represented, you know, tied to the dog star or something like that. Mm -hmm. Or tied to an animal that was their faithful companion and their protector and all kinds of stuff. Right because of the representation there of what this person characterized possibly these are all good questions i don't agree with you anymore jeremy i agree with jeff <laughs> take that jeremy yeah, yeah that's, you that's got you me there get. oh man i'm gonna learn my lesson so this is what we do on the infinite rabbit hole take a little side note here is that we go off on these side tangents and then we end up coming back around it's normal this is normal so if you're in the comment section and you're Stop like... Stop explaining it to them, man. Just let them no, go on I, the ride. I'm trying them to catch the them ride, up with dude. how we roll. Okay, you they know what? see how we roll. We're just doing it. All right? Kenzar, yeah. do you got any comments? We, we, we got to do to the listeners like you guys did to me. You either we're going to toss you out of the nest. you either going to figure out how to fly or you're going to hit the ground. That's right. <laughs> right. Very well. That's right, I'll listeners. Fly or hit the ground. <laughs> I'll like just like birds. you did to me. <laughs> yeah, shut up. All right. Then let's move on. <laughs> you're like there spoon was... feeding it to them. You're like, like here you go. Here, here you go. Here's because here's that's... the next bite. No, just let him have it. Open All up right. the fire hose. All right. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody gets to drink from the fire hose. And lose their face. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> Welcome. <laughs> Welcome to the Infinite Rabbit Hole. There is one thing about the phantom black dogs that seem to be vastly different from other types of ghost or spirit encounters. In a typical haunting or ghostly experience, the specter is commonly unaware of the person's presence, and in most cases, 
it will do an act of sorts that feels like the spirit is in a pattern, as if it were stuck on repeat or trapped in its own personal Groundhog Day. Now, there are outliers like poltergeists and a few others that will act directly towards or to the witness, but for the most part, it seems that those are trapped in the in-between of life and death are doomed to repeat a specific experience forever. The black dog phenomenon, however, seems to move completely independently, as if it were a flesh-and-blood creature. On many, and I mean many occasions, the ghostly canines will follow a person with their eyes and move their heads to face the person directly. They even go as far as to snarl or bark directly at the person witnessing the animal. This points to a more intelligent and independent nature of these creatures than that of a typical ghost. Author W.T. Watson goes on to even name this behavior, the black dog stare, in his book, Phantom Black Dogs. This is where I believe that this phenomenon gets really interesting, as we see that this is where the true fork in the road is between the true nature of this mystery being malevolent or benevolent. As we dive deeper into the lore and stories surrounding the black dogs, you will notice that most of the time the dogs act as if they are a guardian for those that witness them, or an omen of death to come. When you look at the connection that is made on a more personal level between the witness and dog by way of the animal's attitude and actions, you begin to wonder if the dogs themselves are specific to the person in places of danger or before loss of life, and maybe the spirit is not necessarily tied to a particular place, but to the observer instead, as a type of familiar that only shows when it is needed. Could there be an even deeper connection between canines and humans? A connection that we could never imagine. So I'm somewhat sensitive to that sort of stuff, all of the spiritual type stuff, but I've never seen a black dog besides a black lab or a black German shepherd or a black wiener dog. <laughs> I was trying to, I was sitting here, I was trying to think about, you know, you, if I've, hold on. get I more gotta, specific I, with your, no, we, with your we, dog brace. We gotta, we gotta say something funny. <laughs> Could you imagine, right? If you find out that you're familiar, like if, if it is a familiar situation and you're like, mine, mine's a dog. Yeah. <laughs> mine's a weenie dog. Mine's a shih tzu. Yeah. Um, <laughs> But yeah, no, I've, because I mean, I've had some very near death experiences, like crazy close calls, like about to step off a curb and then I pull back for a second and a semi truck goes blasting through a red light, like right there, right on the, the curb, right? I've, I've had those sort of experiences. I used to. I used to sometimes go into cemeteries in the middle of the night and stuff and kind of mess around. I wasn't, I wasn't this goody goody two shoes Christian for my entire life. All right. I, I messed around quite a bit, but I never had an experience like that. Right. And so I'm just like, how common is this? You know, cause everything we've talked about so far tonight, granted, we haven't gone into any like personal you know, accounts and stories and things like that. But I'm trying to think about, like, if this was a real phenomenon, you would imagine that it would be so common that it would be, like, 
you go into a graveyard and there's a, a dog that guards that graveyard and stuff, you know, trying to keep people from strolling through there in the middle of the night and be like, oh, it's so spooky, you know, or whatever. Yeah. I mean, I guess the true question is, what is the actual triggers for this? You right. Know, is it is it geographically uh, locked? Oops, I just hit my mic. Is it geographically locked? Like, sure. You know, maybe the road that you almost got pancaked, right? Wasn't protected by one of these black dogs. Or maybe you yourself are not protected by one of these black dogs. <gasps> yeah. Yeah. Maybe it's Fred. No wiener dog for me. Oh, you're. What if it, I mean, what if it's, what if it's one of the dogs you have now? You know, well, they're brown. That's. And white. Yeah, but what, and red. But, I mean, <laughs> they. <laughs> You know, if this is a, a traditional spirit thing, right, it means that, or what many believe is that this dog may have lived a physical life at one point and has become a spirit in some way, shape, or form. So, I mean, is it just because it's it's showing up as black, as like a shadow now? Does that necessarily mean it was a black dog before it died in its physical life? I don't know. Hmm. I don't know much about that kind of stuff, so I'm gonna again. Yeah, I'm I gonna step wanna... in. I'm gonna step in and say I don't know anything. <laughs> well, I mean, I'm not gonna say for one second that I believe this sort of stuff. Um, but for the uh, sake of conversation and for the progression of the report, you know, those are the the things that are on my mind. You know, until we get like most things that we talk about here, until we actually start getting to actual reports and sightings and things like that, or if there's pictures or videos and all that sort of stuff, then I'll go out of this realm of like, well, this is just a, a really cool, neat idea and a concept into this might actually be a thing that exists, right? And uh, probably not in the realm of a spiritual sort of thing but in the realm of like a physical animal that exists that maybe like those stories you hear about every once in a while Whitney uh, my wife was just talking about it the other day uh, that cat in a and there's been a couple of stories like this but a cat in a retirement home that within a couple of days of the death of one of the residents there the cat will go and lay on their bed and that's when they know we need to call the family members because this person's about to go within the next couple of days. So maybe it's not so much of a supernatural event as it's just a awareness of danger or awareness of stuff. And one of these sort of creatures happens to come by or people attribute like what Jeff was saying, this is a dog man or this is a werewolf or this is an actual thing. And people are attributing it to being a protector or warding off something because in that moment something did happen and then they're just like make that connection this thing stopped this from happening even though the two situations weren't related whatsoever it was just that you know lining up of events and people just make that connection between the two so that's just kind of where i'm going with this and how i'm trying to you know formulate how i actually feel about this but i really like the presentation thank you for sure. Next. You're welcome. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm kind of on the same page as far as as with just this introduction into the Phantom Black Dogs. We haven't gotten into any sightings or videos or anything like that. So it's hard for me to say, like, yeah, it's real or it's not real. 
but the concept is very cool to me. Um, I actually have a quick story. When I was younger, when I was, uh, might have been in high school, maybe it was middle school, something like that. Uh, me and a couple of friends, we went out to this cemetery because, you know, that was the cool thing to do when you were young, right? Go yeah. to the cemetery at night and get spooked. And we get there. Yeah, spooked. And we'll, yeah, and we're walking around. <laughs> and we actually heard a dog barking. So we all ran back to the car, right? And at the time, I just thought it was a dog. Like, all the way up until, honestly, we started talking about this tonight, I just thought it was a dog, right? I don't mm-hmm. want to get bit by a dog, so we ran back to the car. But we never actually saw a dog. So maybe we were hearing a phantom black dog barking. Maybe. I don't know. Interesting stuff. Yeah. It also could have just been a dog from a house down the road. Well, there's no houses around this cemetery. It's like a secluded cemetery. Hmm. So could have just been a dog. Could have. Or could have been buried there back at the beginning of the cemetery as the cycle pump. Or to be, no, I'm sorry, not the cycle pump, the grim. The grim, not the cycle pump. Yeah, get your facts straight. Get my facts straight, Jeremy. (laughs) Could have been in it. And this area is actually close to Casadega. You guys familiar with Casadega? No. Not at all. It's apparently like the most haunted town. I think in, it might even be the most haunted town in the United States, but definitely Florida for sure. And it used to be like uh, Native American burial grounds and all these kinds of things. And it's like the whole town. And you go there now and it's just full of psychics and mediums and all kinds of stuff. But yeah, it's uh, a spooky place. Ooh, all those ooh. psychics out there sucking up all the energy, <laughs> sucking up the money. Kid, what do you got? I like the idea of them being familiars, but that that to me would be like, I don't know. I can't see everybody having a black dog familiar of sorts, right? So. What about the cat people? What about the reptilians? What about the crab people? What what do they do? Crab people. (laughs) 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 Yeah, what about the crab people? I'm going to mute my. Are we ready? Can we move on? Cool stories. All right, let's move on. Yes. Good job, kid. All right. There are a few cases where the black dog's malevolence is taken to a whole other level. In Watson's book, Phantom Black Dogs, he summarizes a story from August 1577, translated by a man by the name of Abraham Fleming, in which one of our ghostly Fidos kills two men in the middle of prayer by racing through them and snapping their necks backwards and horribly mangling another man who remained alive by grabbing hold of the man with unseen power and squeezing him so hard that he bent over in pain and continued to live a very uncomfortable life after the event from permanent damage suffered from the encounter. This church in Bungay of Suffolk, England, still bears marks on its walls and doors of an unknown source that left what looks a lot like burned claw marks and are even known as the Devil's Fingerprints. We may dive into the story in a future part of the series, as it does stick out in an outlying sense to other typical black dog sightings, but the legend of the Bungay black dog 
is one that took a malevolence to a whole another level. But what is also strange about this is that 13 miles away in another church in Blythburg, on the same day, two other men and a boy were killed by another black dog, an incident that left another man with a badly burned hand. So what do you think? Are legendary stories such as these enough evidence to determine that black dogs can be so malicious that they would directly kill a child, four adults, and leave two others badly injured? Or are stories from 1577 just too old to hold any weight? Before you answer, what about in another lesser known case involving what seems to have been a sinister acting black dog? W.T. Watson mentions in his book Phantom Black Dogs, a story by an Ed Enid Porter about a time when a small blind boy was complaining to his older sister about a dog that was trying to push him while the siblings were on Thetford Bridge. Side note, the author did not mention where Thetford was exactly, so I attempted a very quick Google search that only brought up the Thetford Bridge in Lyme, Vermont in the United States, but the story makes mention of Black Shuck, which is a name only used in parts of England. Back to the story. The sister attempted to assume her brother, to assure her brother that there was no dog there and nothing was pushing on him. But the young boy continued to cry for help from his sister. Then, as she reached for her brother to get control of him, she felt him being pulled away from her by an unseen force. The sister then began to drag her brother off the bridge and the two ran home to escape the invisible dog that the little boy was so adamant about being there. So what do you guys think? I'm glad you mentioned Black Shuck. I was actually, because I, I, I know you're talking about having more parts to this. Mm-hmm. It's going to be a four-part series or whatever. If one of the, the version of this black dog is more of a protector and all kinds of stuff, does it have another side to it that the Black Shuck seems to represent, which is the aggressive evil more um determined to cause harm sort of side so i don't want to get too far into it because the very next region that we will visit is england Mm -hmm. is the hot spot for these black dog sightings it's right the the thing right the 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 other two regions that we're gonna uh visit are two countries together and then even a whole continent just by itself um but Black Shuck isn't necessarily an evil being. It is the name given regionally to the black dog phenomenon. Mm-hmm. So in the eastern portions of England, the black dog is known as Black Shuck. And there are good uh, cases as well as evil cases, too. Mm-hmm. So it's not necessarily a a term that just signifies one particular black dog it is just the black dog phenomenon in eastern england Hmm. it's a regional name is basically what it is and those people must have done something bad you know (laughs) sitting there sitting there praying in the church and it runs through and snaps their necks (laughs) yeah i I don't know i don't know but oh my goodness you know this church of bungay um I did some more research into it, and it's a pretty wild story. Pretty wild story, but we're going to save that for another episode. Man. I just wanted to get into it because I wanted to show both the good and the bad side of these black dogs. Um, 
And trust me, we're already at an hour and almost 20 minutes already. And I, I was like thinking maybe I can extend this and put a little bit more stuff into it. But I don't think we're going to be able to because we're running out of time, man. Because I, I have just, a bad time. I just want to say that with all these stories, they always mention, oh, they killed three grown men, injured two, and killed a child. Well, this it's an animal either way. It doesn't know what it's killing. Like, I, I understand the severity of it, but we always make it seem like this thing was purposely going after these specific types of people. And it's always the children. Well, I mean, I don't want to sit here and say that there was a canine spirit that was particularly targeting children. But when you're dealing with this kind of entity, you know, a non-physical entity... We just don't know enough. Could it have been targeting something or somebody specifically like the children? Maybe. We just don't. You know, it, it's it's not studied enough. You know, there's people out oh, there. Yeah, that, that, I, there's people out I there agree. that claim they know a lot of stuff. But let's just be honest. There's there's no professionals in the field of stuff that we're talking about because nobody knows the actual answers to Jack oh, shit. Yeah. No so, one's having a sit down with a black dog and asking it, you know, uh, having a and a session. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah, of course. You say, oh, evil, you say. Yes. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> oh, you meant to disembowel him. Oh, okay. Oh, yes. Child, yes. you say? <laughs> Four years old. Ah, yes. Yes. Okay. Yes. Purposely because of the brown hair. Wow. Okay. Mm, mm. Dang. Oh, <laughs> yeah. oh. Ah, and he didn't do his math homework before dinner. <laughs> mm, yes. No. Yeah. Totally worth it. Okay. Yep. The one that Krampus <laughs> didn't get. Gotcha. Go <laughs> <laughs> on, Jeff. Say things. Yeah, I don't know, man. Like, it's a spirit of some kind. It's a demonic figure. It's an entity, an interdimensional entity, but physically attacking somebody uh, outright just doesn't seem like it fits. It's, I'm not jiving with that. So maybe they just got attacked by wolves. Right. And there, there is something, you know, the opposite side of this is that this and the typical black dog are just two separate identities. You know, just because they look the same, I mean, you could have an all black German shepherd and a small black wolf and they may look pretty close, you know, but they're different. Mm -hmm. So that's something to keep in mind too, is that uh, out of all these sightings and stories that we're going to go over and everything, are we seriously, are we really talking about the, just one particular species of black dog or is there multiple kinds you know or is it like we were talking about with uh the beast of bray road it's a this might have been my comment that it's a bunch of different things a bunch of different you know this is a wolf attack this is a dog attack this is a you know spirit or whatever but they're all being attributed to the same thing because of the stories that people know about. And they're mm -hmm. just relaying it, you know, in the same way it could have been a kangaroo, could have been uh, an actual like dog man. It could have been a wolf. It could have been a, you know, type of Bigfoot. But everyone has the hysteria of the Beast of Bray Road. So each an individual story gets the title of I saw the Beast of Bray Road. Right. Yeah. In this case, right. I saw the Black Shuck. I saw x y and z give it a name in that region in that location because it's the local folklore for that spot right i don't know y'all ready to move on 
Mm-hmm. All right. Yes, sir. This one, and then I have my uh, my outro. That's it. Like we do with almost every mystery we cover, we dive into questions. What can it be? Well, let's go over some of the more popular outcomes we have come to in other cases. First, I would like to answer the question. Could it be a misidentification? Yes, of course. Some case, maybe most cases, can absolutely be misidentification. But let's look at the vast amount of sightings of black dogs. Do you really think that the entire body of reported and unreported sightings throughout history are solved by simple misidentifications? This creature has almost just as much, if not more, stories about its existence than Bigfoot. See, we did it. That's a goal, by the way. We try to get the word Bigfoot in every episode. (laughs) About its existence than Bigfoot-like creatures. I mean, there are reports of these dogs that go back to literal ancient times and from just about every landmass on this planet. Well, how about hallucinations? Yep, I can see that being a thing too. But yet again, not for all of them. To say that everyone that has ever witnessed one of these specters is hallucinating, but see an all-black dog with red glowing eyes that can disappear at will and grows and shapeshifts, and the reports come from all over space and time? Again, I'll knock a few off, but not all of them. So what's left? Well, we have the woo-woo, which I'm afraid to say makes the most sense here. This could very well be an interdimensional, spiritual, or familiar-type creature. I'm not one for Team Woo-Woo too much, but I gotta hand it to him this time. And what about hoaxes? Well, yeah, I think many of these stories could be purposely false for various different reasons, but I don't think someone is going out dressed as a spectral black dog with red glowing eyes with the ability to disappear or shapeshift or whatever. That's just out of question for me. So as of right now, without any further evidence, I'm going to say, I need more info. <laughs> Sorry, everyone. It's <laughs> it's for sure leaning towards Team Woo Woo, but I need more. And trust me, there is plenty more to come. Huh. Your turns, guys. Let's get your uh, let's get I'm your also, thoughts. I'm also on Team Woo Woo for this one. This is definitely for me. This uh, this screams Woo Woo. Yeah, hundred percent. I do think Jake. that people are probably getting eaten by wolves that could potentially be black wolves but yeah i think it's uh 95 percent woo <laughs> can say things say things it's the kangaroos yeah uh. <laughs> there <the> heck is <laughs> definitely the kangaroos <laughs> rough those big old giant hands that they have and the claws and the tapping at windows and slashing people's faces yep big black ones yeah, one of that box drunks. <laughs> what, what did we say last episode? Big, giant, beefed up ones with a lust for blood that eat roadkill. <laughs> <laughs> Very specific types of kangaroos. Yes. Adaptation. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm gonna say five percent woo, ninety five percent, um, stories. Yeah. You because think this is just lore. Yeah, like in the same way trolls and fairies are lore. 
And there's people out there that believe that trolls and fairies exist. I've seen it on the, you know, on the weird Facebook pages where they take a picture of a rock and they're like, it's a sleeping troll. I've seen it, right? I'm not going to, you know, throw people out there and say, hey, look at this person right here. But I know there's people that believe that stuff. I have a fairy forest local to me. They they literally build little fairy houses and take them to the forest right. and they leave them in the forest for the fairies. It's so a thing. Yeah, so there's, you know, a following for it. Is there evidence for it? No, not necessarily unless you make it become evidence for it, right? You just um, pissed off all kinds of people. Well, you know, that's me. I'm the guy, you know? But, uh, yeah, I don't know. I'm like, uh, 5% could be woo. I mean, you guys keep saying familiar spirits. Biblically speaking, familiar spirits are demons. Um, so, sure, that we could go with that. But I'm more leaning towards that this is just another way to describe something. This is folklore. This is like a uh, English version of the boogeyman, right? This is whatever it is. You know, go to bed on time. Don't go out after sunset or else the black shuck will get you you know, or something like that makes sense to me that this would be in that sort of category versus an actual real event that actually happens. Um, but I don't know. Remains to be seen because like you said before, you got a lot more to present. There's more parts of this. There's actual, you know, sightings and whatnot coming up. So we'll see if that opinion changes and stuff. Anything else before I close this, this bad boy up? All right. No, I think good I enough. <laughs> I just cut her off, <laughs> and then she apologizes to you. Yeah, so you're sorry. <laughs> sorry, <laughs> sorry, sorry for uh, interrupting, and sorry for late on being late on the draw for that one. <laughs> oh, sorry, guys. <laughs> Poor Kinzer. It's all right, kid. Sorry about that, eh? Sorry. Do you want to say something? Go ahead, say something. No, I just said I, I'm good. We got. I got nothing. No, you have to now. You have to say something. Better be good. Um, whales had legs. Ooh. This is true. That was a good one. That was a good one. Well, one day yeah. they'll they'll kill all of us. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> 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 Ding. All right. Well, that is all we will be covering for this topic for today. In the near future, we will dive into specifics about these phantom black dogs. When it comes to certain regions of the world, the differences are far and few between, but there are a few differences, and yes, most important of all, we will also dive into encounters and stories from each region and throughout time of our guardian canine specters. History says that we as species are not done with these ghostly figures, and there will be more encounters and stories of them added to the list throughout our lives, in our families' lives, and their families' lives, and so on. Until time is no more. Which brings up a question. What do you think of black dogs? Do you think that they are a type of familiar? Do you think that these dogs are truly man's best friends? And they only bring a notice of death as a courtesy to ensure you can say your goodbyes and get your affairs in order before your time comes? What about if the rest of the time we only see them due to them ensuing, ensuring we make it to our proper time of death? And when our day of death finally comes, they watch over us one last time as our personal guide to our personal afterlife. 
Do you guys have any comments to add to that before we sign off? Negative, Ghost Rider. All right. Well, that has been the first episode of the Infinite Rabbit Hole as part of the Paranormal Network. Mm. I want to say it feels great. Absolutely feels amazing. We're here. We're here, and I thought it was going to suck. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. (laughs) Just kidding. I was extremely nervous to do this. This is a, a big feat for me. I'm I'm beyond happy and excited to be in the position I am right now. Jake, Jeff, Kenzar, thanks for joining me today, guys. I really do appreciate all that you guys do to ensure that we get the show where it needs to be and helping us get to the point we're at now. Absolutely. Got you. You're welcome. And you Thank did a great you. job as as always. You really yeah. put a lot of effort into it. A lot of a lot of work. You should see the other episodes. Thanks for finding this podcast. Woohoo. <laughs> but until next time, when we take a trip to Merry Old England, we talk to a very special guest. I can't that will wait. be joining us. I can't wait either. <laughs> we'll see you next time in the next path of the infinite rabbit hole. Deuces. Bye. 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 <laughs>